Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Government recognises the value of social enterprises. There are huge announcements in the recent federal budget, specifically for social enterprises, $111.6 million, which is amazing. But how do we ensure that the way the funding is designed and accessed doesn't take away from the agility that social enterprises have? Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 401 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Kylie Flement. Kylie is a social enterprise leader and sustainability expert with a background in managing large teams and projects in the corporate, government and not-for-profit sectors. She managed the cardiac department of both children's hospitals in Sydney before becoming the CEO of Green Connect, a social enterprise for five years. She currently holds multiple positions, including CEO of the Social Enterprise Council of New South Wales and ACT and an expert in residence at the University of Wollongong. As an expert in this field, she brings valuable knowledge and experience in promoting sustainable business practices and building strong communities through social enterprise. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Kylie's diverse experience in social enterprise in Australia and touch on some of these key lessons that have been learnt on Kylie's journey. And we'll get Kylie's thoughts and perspective on the social enterprise across New South Wales and ACT. So Kylie, it's great to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. All right, Kylie, let's kick off with a bit of background and what it was that led you to this passion of yours in social enterprise. I did the corporate career thing and I started an MBA. Around the same time, I started working at the children's hospitals and the MBA was really focused on how to maximize profit they taught us the best marketing techniques to sell people stuff they didn't need at prices they couldn't refuse. And they taught hmm. us the best HR techniques, getting the most productive workforce, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. At the time, there was this amazing professor who was really deeply embedded in CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, and she launched a social enterprise subject and it blew my mind. It was exactly what I'd been looking for. How do I use all of these tools that business has, but for good? That was the start. It just lit a fire in me to go you don't have to choose between doing business and doing good you can actually combine them in social enterprise that was the start it's a great journey there and i think it's a pathway that i think more and more people are taking would you agree absolutely quite frankly it's not really new social enterprise is not a new idea aboriginal people have been trading and doing business sustainably and in a way that benefits people and the planet for tens of thousands of years. Mm. And this, if you zoom right out on human history, this little blip where we accidentally took this thing that was supposed to be a tool, money, money was a way to exchange things. It wasn't a goal. 
we turned it into a goal for 200, 250 years, and that is insane. <laughs> when yeah. you really take a step back and look at GDP growth doesn't tell us whether we're better off or not as a country. Mm. My bank balance doesn't tell me how happy I am. Yeah. And profits from a company don't tell you whether they've contributed anything to society. I feel like social enterprise is catching on because it's the return to what is normal and good for all of us. Absolutely. And probably a good reminder for us to perhaps re-look at the whole GNH way of measuring happiness of nations. Yeah, and it's exciting because Australia has that's currently doing a listening exercise. The Australian government has launched a measuring what matters white paper. And so we're one of many countries around the world to go, oh yeah, GDP doesn't measure well-being. Yep. So we need a well-being budget, as they call it in New Zealand, more gross national happiness, as they call it in Bhutan. It's not a new idea, but it's certainly getting traction, which is really exciting that our country's on that journey too. Yeah, yeah it's a great observation. As CEO of SECNA then... What are your observations of the social enterprise movement in the states that you're operating? Growth and interest is phenomenal. I started running a social enterprise, Green Connect, in 2018. Every single person I met, I had to explain what a social enterprise was. It felt really lonely. I would stumble across another social enterprise or social entrepreneur, and it was just like meeting a kindred spirit and then yeah. this immediate spark and it was so exciting but you there were few and far between and really hard to find and a few of us got together and formed SECNA partly to find each other and to be able to connect more easily but partly to have a voice for this growing movement that is mm. social enterprise. What I've seen in the three years that SECNA has been going we have this groundswell of people and organizations and interest it's not just the social enterprises there's councils there's state government bodies there's corporate so there's all these people going i see the value in this i can see that money is the tool not the goal and yep. there are bigger goals for us to tackle and mm. so i want to be a part of social enterprise and more and more businesses are recognizing that and turning to what their purpose is and more and more charities are recognizing that relying on grants and philanthropy is a scary existence it's really lumpy and mm. so you get a bit of self-determination if you have a revenue stream, a trade stream, and it won't necessarily cover all of your expenses, but it feels like both ends of the business to charity spectrum are turning towards social enterprise, and I think we're all better for it. Yeah, absolutely agree. And look, you've covered on this a little bit now. We're talking a little bit more about the landscape of social enterprise, what other changes have you observed in Australia and further afield? And interestingly i think we should probably cover the opportunities part of this so where are there opportunities to really grow this movement and do more of it i've certainly observed again more and more people are interested in this particularly post-covid i think that the pandemic was a real moment in time where we all did a bit of a reassessment of mm. our values and whether our lives matched our values. Yes. And so a lot of people have been ditching their corporate careers, purely profit-motivated careers, to do something that matters. Yeah. But then going, well, I still need to make an income and still need to feed my family. I just want to do it in a way that really sits well with me. And so social enterprise can use all of those business tools but do good in the world. We're still at the really early stages of defining ourselves as a movement. So mm. there's a lot of ambiguity 
in social enterprise, having a certifying body in social traders that's been around for a long time now is really helpful to try to draw a circle around what is and isn't a social enterprise. It is ambiguous because it's really easy to measure dollars. You know, dollars are like hard, cold facts. It's harder to measure social impact and social good. It is more complex. It's more important. So we should absolutely be measuring it, but it isn't black and white. And so I think as we're maturing, we're starting to get an understanding of what good practice looks like, yeah, yeah. of what sustainability looks like, because I have observed that a lot of people that work in social enterprises are so passionate and so driven and will go to the nth degree because they see the difference they're making. But the levels of burnout are really high. Yes. And we cannot, as one colleague put it to me when I was working at Green Connect, which was a registered charity, she said, we can't be the charity for the charity. So I think we're wrapping our heads around what long-term success looks like and making sure we're not burning out our social entrepreneurs. Yes. But also, I often say to people who don't know what a social enterprise is, if a business and a charity had a baby, that's a social enterprise. (laughs) It's a good way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) I can't claim that one. That was Callum Champagne, one of my colleagues at Green Connect that coined that. But I think previously we've had this myth that you can do all the good of a charity with only the revenue of a business and particularly for the work integrated social enterprises, organisations who exist to employ people who need the job most. That's not true. We need to stop saying that a cafe or a landscaping business can do all of this training and support and wraparound services on just the revenue from that business. Mm. These are low margin businesses anyway. Yep. It's a fallacy that we can do that, but government is recognising very quickly and deeply that it's great value for money. We can offer all of these wraparound services and training and pay for most of it through income from trade. So they only need to pay for the support component and all of this amazing good happens. That's a real shift that needs to happen and we're pushing for. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. And certainly from the conversations I've had with other leaders and the work we've done alongside some of these work integrated social enterprises too, we see that those margins typically sit around about 25% extra in order Mm. to provide that training and employment. So it's, you're absolutely right there in terms of that gap. I think that really exists when you're doing that work to provide strong value to perhaps long-term unemployed or disadvantaged cohorts. The challenge is going to be, so government recognises the value of social enterprises. There are huge announcements in the recent federal budget specifically for social enterprises, $111.6 million, which is amazing. But how do we ensure that the way the funding is designed and accessed doesn't take away from the agility that social enterprises have? They treat their people as humans in all of their complexity and they do what that person needs, not what one of the tick boxes says is possible. Government knows that it works. We know that it works. How we marry government funding, which is much needed with the way that social enterprises have had this impact is going to be another challenge. Yeah, it's a great point. And so if we look globally then, Kylie, at least in my opinion, ideally the term social enterprise wouldn't exist. It would just be business 
right? So how might we mainstream this business for good movement? It's a great question. I've been saying to people since I took on this role six months ago that my aim is to do myself out of a job because business for good should be the only way of doing Mm. business. If you go back to basic economic principles, it's all about externalities. In business, you know that there's negative externalities and positive externalities. Basically, the things that you do are creating bad things in the world and good things in the world. And at the moment, business isn't held to account on those things. So, you know, you can make billions and billions of bottles of water, pulling water out of aquifers that would otherwise be going to town that then run dry. Yeah. <laughs> and packing them in plastic and shipping them around the world and you're not responsible for whether that town has water or not after you've taken your air mm. out of the aquifer. You're not responsible for the plastic waste. You're not responsible for the pollution from transporting all of that water around the world. Like those are negative externalities that are not then put back into the responsibility of that company. Yes. There's a bunch of positive externalities and social enterprises do this in droves when we employ someone who needs the job most, it's more than just a job. It's confidence and purpose and financial independence and there's this ripple effect out into the community. And that's also not recognised as being the responsibility or there's nothing that flows back to the organisation because of that positive impact. So I think as we mature as a society, we are hopefully going to start recognising those externalities and making them that organization's responsibility Mm. and stop saying that your responsibility ends when you sell your product onto someone. Yeah, yep. Such great points there, Kylie, and absolutely agree with that. And so for the social entrepreneurs listening, what advice would you give to those who are looking to either start or grow their enterprise? And where have you observed some of the common pitfalls that entrepreneurs take or fall Mm. into, I should say? My advice would be find your tribe. I cannot tell you with every single event I go to for SECNA and we're holding more and more of them, someone will come rushing up to me and I'll say, this is the first time I've been and I just feel like I've found my people. (laughs) You know, this is exhausting. I feel sometimes I feel like I'm beating the drum of social enterprise by myself. I feel like I'm trying to do this business for good and it's exhausting. Yeah. But oh my goodness, I've filled my cup tonight. This is incredible. Thank you, thank you. You feel like you're understood and you're supported. And the phenomenal thing is that social enterprises share everything. When at Green Connect, when we decided to start a gardening and landscaping business, I just rang three social enterprises around Australia who did that work already and said, do you have any advice? And they sent me everything. They sent me price guides. They sent me terms and conditions. They sent me equipment lists. They sent me a 52-page work health and safety manual for supported staff. And you just go, that would never happen in the corporate world Mm. or even in the public sector. Yeah, yeah. But there's this willingness to help. And so definitely my number one piece of advice would be find your tribe. Some of the common pitfalls, I think, are failing to recognise the two sides of the equation because social enterprise is both a business and a charity. Charity in the sense that you're doing good, not necessarily a registered charity. You can be for profit. Yeah. You have to walk that tightrope every day. You have to be commercially savvy and deeply committed to doing good. And so 
at Green Connect, whenever we considered if we should do something or not, we would ask ourselves, is it good for people? Is it good for the planet? Is it financially viable? There were amazing business units and projects we could do that were good for people on the planet, but we could not figure out how to fund them. Mm. So they sat on a list waiting for the day that funding landscapes might change. I had to add, after two or three years of us constantly doing new things, and it was so exciting, I added, do we have the capacity to do this right now? Do we have the skills and the time and the energy? If we all asked ourselves those questions each time, it might help to have this go, no go moment where it feels really good to chase after something amazing, but you don't want to burn out and have the whole thing come crashing down, making sure you're doing it in a measured, sustainable way. Yeah, yeah, really good advice there, Kylie. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the inspiring projects or initiatives that you've been coming across, which are really doing some of the great work. Uh, So many. I love my job because I get to meet all of these incredible social enterprises all the time. The regulars I'm deeply in love with, two good employing women coming out of refuges, Bread and Butter Project, employing refugees and asylum seekers to make bread, Backtrack, employing young Aboriginal people to do farming, Hotel Etico is an up-and-coming and they're just going gangbusters at the moment. They employ people with disabilities to run hotels. Some newer ones that have come across my desk lately, the Reconnect Project, who are taking old devices, so laptops and phones, repairing them, and then some of them are sold and some of them are given to people who would otherwise be locked out of the digital space. The Groundswell Project, which is having people have conversations about death and dying in order to break down some of those misunderstandings and taboos so that we can all have a better end of life journey. Circle paints, which take excess paint. You paint a room and you end up with half a can and they will take that paint and sell it. So if you just need half a can of something, you can go and buy paint from them and so you're not chucking paint in the bin. Yeah, super cool. Youngster, which is training young people to teach older people how to use computers and phones. Chocolate on Purpose, which is run by two phenomenal women one Aboriginal woman who is really committed to native ingredients and doing bush foods really well, making sure that every community is benefiting. So many, I could go on and on. It's just amazing every time I meet someone who's really tackling a big social or environmental or cultural challenge for the business model behind it. I just get so excited. Yeah, and that's a fantastic list of examples there, Kylie. So what we'll do is we'll provide links. So all the listeners, if you jump onto Kylie's article on impactboom.org, head on through to Kylie's article. At the bottom of the article, you'll have a big list of all those enterprises that you can click on through to and get excited about. So Kylie, finishing off then, what about some books or resources that you'd recommend to the listeners? Look, that's pretty classic. But you can't go past donor economics. If you haven't read it, I understood the concept. And so I was like, oh, I don't really need to read the book. But found myself with a bit of time after I finished up at Green Connect last year. So finally read it. And it just was the best book for really having gone through a business undergrad and then my MBA. I was taught all of those old economic models. And Kate Rayworth really the model and goes that those models were broken. Here's some better versions. Here is how we can have a social floor, make sure that everyone has enough and an environmental feeling where we're not 
taking from the environment and from future generations. Kate Rayworth, Donor Economics. And at the moment, I'm reading another one that has been around for a while that I just haven't got to until now, A World of Three Zeros. Mm, Mohamed Yunus, yeah. Yeah, I think he was missing out zero waste. I would have yes. made it for zero, but <laughs> very accessible reading. Mm, some great recommendations there. So thanks for those. And Kylie, it's been great to chat today. There's been some really great insights here. Appreciate you sharing your experience and your time. And we'll look forward to tracking your journey and all the great work coming out of the region that you're working in. Fantastic to chat. Thanks, Tom. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.